Hey friend, what is your favorite Thanksgiving dish? Let me know in a comment, what is your favorite Thanksgiving dish? This week is Thanksgiving and however you are celebrating this year, there's probably a dish or two that you're really looking forward to. Uh, for me, uh, my wife makes um, a corn souffle that is amazing and of course I'm always looking forward to anything pecan, pecan pie, um, I'm looking forward to ham, I'm looking forward to a lot of things. Uh, but for you, what are the one or two dishes, if you can narrow it down, that you're really looking forward to enjoying this Thanksgiving? Perhaps there's even a dish that your family makes that's kind of a tradition or it's a recipe that's been handed down from generation to generation. Maybe it's grandmother's recipe or your great-grandmother's recipe that you make every year. Now, a lot of times in those recipes, there is a, quote, secret ingredient. And maybe the ingredient is not so secret, but it's the ingredient that really makes the difference. And without it, uh, you would be in trouble because the dish just wouldn't be the same without the nutmeg or whatever it might be. I know for me, there have been a couple of times uh, when we get close to Thanksgiving that I'm not entrusted with the Thanksgiving shopping, but if there's one or two items that we're missing, then I can be sent out on a trek to get those items. And maybe this year, um, you're gonna have to go after one or two items. You're gonna go looking for that missing ingredient, that, that thing that is needed to make the pecan pie just absolutely perfect. But going this year will probably be different than any other year before because to go to the store for a last minute item is kind of a trek or a quest in these uncertain COVID times. You know, in all of our favorite stories and movies, there's a, a trek that's involved. There is a character who needs something and has to go after it. They have to go get that thing that they're missing that they need. And we resonate with that, not because it relates to how we prepare for Thanksgiving, but because that's really all of life. All of life is seeking for this thing that is missing in us. Man's life is about a search for hope and meaning. And many people spend their lives searching for the secret ingredient to joy. And today I wanna to talk to you about the secret ingredient to joy. And it's counterintuitive, this ingredient, because many of us live our lives looking for joy and happiness in the temporal things, the earthly things, the transient things, the temporary things. We spend our lives looking for joy in stuff or in money or experiences or comfort or pleasure or ease. Many people spend their lives looking for this and don't find it, but they pretend to have it. For some people, the secret ingredient to their joy is Photoshop. It's pretending. It's pretending to be at peace or to have joy. Today, I want to share with you what the true secret ingredient to joy is. And we learn it from an individual in the New Testament who went on that trek looking for what was missing in his life. 
This man was ambitious. He was willing to go to great lengths figuratively and literally to go after what he wanted. But Paul realized on one of his journeys, in his trek, in his search for what he wanted, he realized that the thing he was looking for wouldn't bring him peace or joy after all. And instead, he gives up the life that he has been living, this search for meaning that he has been on. He gives that life up to live for Jesus. When he meets Jesus, he walks away from that old life and he lives for Jesus. And he lives for Jesus not because it brings him ease or comfort, not because it brings him riches or fame. Rather, he lives for Jesus out of, out of gratitude for what Jesus has done for him. In fact, Paul's life would become so very difficult. He would become a life of hardship, a life of misery. In one place in Corinthians, he gives us a catalog or a listing of all the difficulties that he's been through. In stripes or in whippings above measure, in prisons frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. They would often whip someone 39 times because it was believed that 40 lashings or 40 whippings would kill a person, so they would stop one short of killing the person. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night in the day I spent in the deep, or in other words, a night in the day I spent in the sea, lost at sea, out in the sea. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. In weariness and toil, in sleeplessness, a lot of, a lot of sleep, sleepless nights, he said, and sleeplessness often, in hunger and in thirst and in fasting often, in cold and in nakedness, besides the other things, I have upon me the care and burden of all the churches. Paul's life was a hard one. It was a difficult life. But yet Paul found that in that difficult life was what he was searching for. This past year, I listened to the audiobook version of Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. And it's like the authoritative work on dealing with difficulty and tragedy. And Viktor Frankl would become a renowned therapist and psychologist, but his book was authoritative, not just because he was a therapist and psychologist, but because it was written based upon his experiences in the concentration camps of Nazi Germany. You see, no one could question Frankl's familiarity with suffering because he had lived out suffering in the concentration camps. I was reminded of Frankel's work because Paul says there in that, that listing, in perils of robbers, in perils of, and he's speaking of even when he wasn't being beaten or whipped, he was in danger that was always hanging over his head. And Frankel talks about in his book that one of the most difficult things about the, the concentration camps was that you never knew if 
any moment would be your last, that you could be shot at random for sport by a Nazi guard, your number could be called and you could be marched off to, uh, the, to the, the, the gas chamber. You, you, you never knew if your day was your last day. In fact, when Frankel first arrived, someone said, yeah, you, he was very small, very thin. They said, you're not going to last a month. And so Frankel recognized that you never really knew when the end was going to be. And so instead of worrying about it, he just found joy and meaning and happiness in those moments. That's what Paul was referring to. He had those perils all the time. Death hung over his head all of the time. He was constantly in danger of being imprisoned. And there was one occasion in Acts 16 where Paul had felt called of God to go to Macedonia, to go to these people who needed to hear the gospel. And he and his ministry team go, and they're exactly where God has called them to be. And they've ministered to a lady named Lydia who's accepted the gospel. But then they held this slave girl, and they cast a demon out of the slave girl. And the owners of the slave girl are very, very upset because the demon gave her the power to foretell the future. And without the demon, she was no longer valuable as a fortune teller. And so these people have Paul and Silas thrown in jail. They are beaten with rods. That's one of the beatings with rods that he's referring to. They are whipped, and then they're put in the hold of the jail. And they charge the keeper of the jail, the jailer, not to let these men loose. And so Paul and Silas are there in the hold of the jail in this city called Philippi. And after being beaten and whipped and being put in stocks and in chains, in the middle of the night, they have a little worship moment. They're singing praises to God. And all of the other prisoners and the jailer can hear them. And then God does this miraculous thing. He sends an earthquake, and it was unlike any other earthquake, because this earthquake, instead of causing the jail to crumble or fall, it just caused the doors of the jail and the shackles of the jail to open. And Paul and Silas were free, but instead of running, they were concerned for the jailer. You see, the jailer, if everyone escaped on his watch, he would lose his life. And so seeing that everyone had, all of their doors were open and assuming that they had escaped, he goes to fall on his sword because to die looking as though uh, he had been overtaken by the prisoners or to die by his own hand was more honorable than to be killed because all of the prisoners were gone. And Paul and Silas yell out and say, do yourself no harm. We're all still here. And that man becomes a believer. Years later, Paul would find himself in prison again. And he writes a letter to the church in Philippi, the church where this jailer would have attended the, the church that this jailer would have belonged to. Perhaps he was even an elder in this church. Perhaps it would have been his responsibility to read this letter. And in reading this letter, Paul, who has faced great adversity and still been able to give God praise and thanks in the face of that adversity, he reflects on how that's possible. And that's our passage of scripture today in Philippians chapter 4. And this passage of scripture means a lot to me because it has gotten me through some very adverse circumstances. It's gotten me through some difficult times. There was a season in my life when things were incredibly difficult that I would copy these verses that I'm going to read to you. I would copy these verses into a journal every day. 
And these verses came to mean so much to me in that time of great hardship, the time of discouragement and frustration. God taught me to be content because that's what Paul speaks of here. Let me read these verses to you. Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 4 to 14. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious or be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. A good verse for us to apply in these dark days, to think and meditate, to ponder good things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all these things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. What's the secret ingredient to joy? It's being grateful and content no matter your circumstances. Paul had learned to be content no matter his situation. How do you get to the place where you have joy? You are content no matter your circumstances. You're not content once you have achieved what you desire or you have those things that you want or you have the fame or the pleasure or the comfort that you want. You will never be happy even when you get those things. You will not have joy. The secret ingredient to joy is not achieving those things. The secret ingredient to joy is being content where you're at. Now that's much easier said than done. How do, you come, how do you come to have this ingredient? Sure, we can agree that that's the ingredient, to be content with wherever we're at, but how do you get to that place? How do you get this secret ingredient? What is the journey you have to go on? What is it that you have to get through to get this secret ingredient, to bring it back home so that it can be mixed in to the dish or meal that is your life? How do you get there? And the way that you get there is Jesus. You see, Paul had found something, and he shares it with them in this passage. What Paul has found is what I have found too. And I hope that you will find it, you will discover it in this message. Because in finding it, Paul knew that there was no circumstance too desperate for the gospel of Jesus There's no heart too broken for the hope of Christ. 
There was no person too messed up for redemption, and there's no situation too tragic for restoration in Jesus. Paul says in this passage in verse 7 that there is a peace that passes all understanding. Now, many people struggle to grasp that it could be real because it is so wonderful. Now, sadly, we often only have this type of perplexion or confusion around circumstances that are so tragic. When the pandemic began, it didn't even seem real. It was beyond comprehension. It was impossible for us to fathom or understand. Perhaps you've received tragic news in your life, and it just doesn't seem within your ability to grasp what is happening And most often we have those experiences when dealing with negative moments. But Paul had found a positive experience that was beyond comprehension. It was a peace that passed, surpassed all understanding. And Paul isn't being trite in the face of his adversity. And he's not speaking through rose-tinted glasses. He's not looking at the world like everything is just peachy. Paul recognizes how difficult things are. He's faced plenty of adversity. But he can have a peace that passes all understanding in the midst of this because of Jesus. He said, I have learned, and whatsoever situation I'm in, therewith to be content. You see, here's what's broken in our thinking about joy. We think that to have joy, we need to get through this to joy. We think that we need to get through the hardship, through the adversity, through this time of need or want, through this time of abasement, through this time of adversity. But Paul had learned he didn't have to get through those things He could have joy in those things. And he's able to have joy in those things because Jesus has come to be with him in the middle of those things. You see, we always merely attempt to escape hardship to get to joy. Paul had found a way to experience joy in the middle of hardship. God wanted Paul to have peace, and yet he calls him to Philippi where there would be great difficulty. He calls him to these cities where there would be great adversities. And when we have a broken understanding that God is going to lead us from difficulty to joy, we, we are confused when we do exactly what God has asked us to do and we face hardship. We think, well, God, why did you call me here for this? God, why did you call me into this if I was only going to face hardship? God has not called you to get outside of suffering and difficulty to there on the other side of it experience joy and peace. God has called you to experience him and his joy and his peace in the middle of the adversity and the difficulty. And the way that we are grateful in the middle of it, the way that we have joy in the middle of it, is to experience him in the middle of it. And we can experience this because Jesus came to us. So we can stop trying to escape through distraction of staying busy, of focusing elsewhere. We can stop trying to escape through medication by taking the substances like drugs, alcohol, food, whatever your drug of choice might be. We can stop trying to escape through self-deception by pretending it isn't real and living in denial. We, as long as we think joy is on the other side, we will be tempted to look for ways of escape. 
but when we come to recognize that Jesus has come to be with us in the middle of these, that he's come to be with us in the middle of these difficulties, then and only then can we be content in whatever situation we are in. While we're in it. And this is possible because Jesus came to be in it with us. Just a couple of chapters earlier in Philippians, Paul reminds us that Jesus came, he humbled himself and was like a man. He came to be among us, humbled himself to be among us, and humbled himself even to the death of the cross. We serve a God who came to be with us in the mess, in the difficulty, in the hardship. And he has come to be with us. But he not only came to be with us, he came to be with us so that he could lead us to the other side. You know, there is coming a day when we will escape the adversity and difficulty and tragedy of this world. There is coming a day where we will push through all of this hardship and come out on the other side. You see, Jesus isn't just nice and that he comes to sit with us in our difficulty. Jesus is almighty and powerful and that he is able to save us from all of this brokenness. You know, if you held the door open for me as we leave church or you hold the door open for me as I walk into a restaurant, you're being nice. That's kind of you to do that, but you're doing something that I'm able to do for myself. I'm able to hold the door open for myself. However, if I'm knocked out and you pull me out of a burning building or pull me out of a burning vehicle, you're doing something for me that I cannot do for myself. And that's not just nice, that is rescuing me. What Paul had learned is that Jesus not only came to be with him in these circumstances, Jesus came to be with him in these circumstances and save him from them. And here's what's great about that, okay? If I'm stuck in a burning building, the more I realize how bad the building is on fire, the more I realize the building is engulfed in flames, the more desperate I become. The more information I learn about how bad the situation is, the more desperate I become because I'm trapped in that situation. But if I've been pulled from the burning building, if I'm being carried away from the burning building, and as I look over the shoulder of the person who has rescued me, as I look over the shoulder of the fireman who's carrying me out of this burning building, and I see just how large the flames are, no longer does that greater amount of information make me more desperate. It makes me more thankful because now I'm more grateful that I have been saved from that. I have been saved from that. And when we have been saved, from the brokenness of this world, like Paul had, we can rejoice in the Lord always because the brokenness of this world is more information about what we've been rescued from. 2020 has been a dumpster fire and I've never been more grateful to know that this world is not my home. I've never been more grateful to know that I have been rescued from this mess, from this hardship, from this brokenness, from this world. I've never been more thankful to know 
that my hope is in Jesus. That's all possible because of Jesus. You see, this verse that is often quoted out of this passage, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ. Paul is saying, I can do all of these things. I can face all of these hardships because I'm in Jesus. This verse is not saying, hey, whatever you put your mind to, you can do it because of Jesus. If you want to jump a motorcycle over the Grand Canyon, you can do it because of Jesus. It's not saying that. It's telling us that we can be content and even grateful. We can have joy in the middle of whatever circumstances we are facing because of Jesus. The secret ingredient of joy is being content in whatever situation we're in. And that's only possible because of Jesus. I can do these things through Christ, who strengthens me. In Jesus' final moments with the disciples, he's having the last meal with them. He's about to go and have his body broken and his blood spilt for us. And he's having that final meal with the disciples, and he talks to them about abiding in him like a vine like a branch connected to a vine, that we should abide in him. And then he says to them, I have told you these things that you might have joy and that your joy might be to the full or that you might have joy and have joy to the max, that you might have the most joy possible. I've talked to you about being in me. The secret ingredient to joy is being thankful and content in all circumstances and that is possible because of Jesus because no matter how difficult this life gets I've still got Jesus and so today I hope that you can be thankful because you've got Jesus if you say well I'm not even sure what that means I don't know if I have Jesus. I don't know that I am in Jesus. Would you reach out? I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to to show you what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be in Christ. He's made it possible for us to be in him and to have joy in all circumstances. Father, I pray that you would bless each one that listens to or watches this message. And God, I ask that we would see that in you we have joy, that in you it is possible, you have made it possible for us to be thankful, for us to be content in all circumstances. God, this has been a year where it is more difficult to be thankful. This has been a year where it's been hard Lord, I pray that we would prove that true this year, that we could be thankful in all circumstances because of you. May you strengthen us like you strengthened Paul. We pray these things in your name. Amen.